episode of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am today's host, Stuart Butler, and I am joined today with some fellow Fueligans. Let's go around the table. First off, Misha Bakikio. Hello, it is a pleasure to be back. And we have on my right, Pete DeMeo. Hello again. And then we have a newbie joining us, who is a marketing specialist here at Fuel. He is Phil Fariska. Hi, everybody. Today, we are going to be talking about paid advertising and where is it good to spend your money, where is it not good to spend your money as a hotel, and um, some of the do's and don'ts. And we're going to cover two or three of the different channels that we like to recommend to clients. And we're going to kick off here with probably the one that that the biggest chunk of budget goes towards, which is pay-per-click. Also, some people call it search engine marketing. We tend to refer to it here as PPC, but um, we're going to dig right into that and start off by talking a little bit about AdWords. So, Pete and Misha, I'll throw it over to you. Let's tell the folks at home what AdWords is, how it works, how the bidding works, all that good stuff. Sure. So we can start with just defining what it is. If any of you fine folks have ever been on the internet, you go to Google and you type in pretty much anything, you will notice some paid ads at the top. Those are run through a platform called AdWords. And advertisers have a lot of options when it comes to this. Um, The model is based on keywords. So what you do is you bid on keywords. There are a few different pricing models that you can use, but that's essentially the basics. You pick the keywords that you want your ads to show up for. Yeah, and from a pricing perspective, it is pretty simple. It is a pretty much a bid platform. So if you're paying one dollar and someone's paying one fifty, the person who's bidding more, they only end up paying another penny or two more, but they'll show on top. That's a very top line idea of how the pricing works. However, at the end of the day, that Google has a lot more algorithms in there that look at your quality to determine who's at the top. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit, Phil. So quality score is something that we, we know a lot about internally, but a lot of you know people getting into the game don't really understand. So they think it is just a traditional whoever bids highest gets top place. That's not the case, right? No, absolutely not. This is this is based, uh, like what Stuart said, upon quality score. Um, it's easiest to we kind of look at an example. Um, we use Myrtle Beach Hotel, since that's where we are, as our query example. So say you type Myrtle Beach Hotels into a search or search page like Google, um, you're going to get different ads on top. First position may be your highest bidder, it may not be. Let's say you and I are bidding on Myrtle Beach Hotels. If I bid $4 and you bid $3.50, quality score is similar, like you said, I'm going to be above you in the results. If my quality score is higher, I'm likely going to have to pay less. So quality score is it's essentially Google's rating of the quality and re- relevance of both your keywords and your ads. It's used to determine your cost per click. If uh, keywords you're bidding on appear in your ad copy and your landing page, you're likely going to get a better quality score, which leads to a lower cost per click. So basically, Google's looking at the ad, your website, and saying, what is the most relevant result for my customer? And if you have the most relevant result, they're giving you a more of a little bonus in terms of what you're going to have to pay. Right, and your ranking. So if, if my quality score is better, I'm going to have to pay less than you, and I'm going to rank higher than you. Yeah, so the actual algorithm they use or the equation that a lot of marketers put down is ad rank, which is basically a score, 
equals your cost per click multiplied by your quality score. So you basically, everyone that's in that ad auction has those two factors multiplied and then whoever has the highest ad rank is going to be position one. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to pay what you're bidding. It means you're going to pay a little bit more than the person right below you, whoever's in the ad rank below you. So uh, it, it, in theory, it sounds kind of complicated, but the reality is if you approach it the right way, it's simple. Focus on good quality relevant keywords, good quality relevant landing page, and good quality relevant ad copy. If you do that and then you tinker with your bids, you're going to be successful. Yeah, and kind of building upon that, it does sound complicated. And there is obviously a lot of strategy that goes into it, but I like to think of it as you know, a cross between common sense and creativity. I mean, you need to have good ads that people want to click on, but you know, experiment with different ad copies, different calls to actions. You definitely want to look at what other people are running and see how you can stand out from what their ads say. So common sense and creativity are kind of the, the sweet spot in what you want to mess around with and kind of experiment with. And always, always, always be testing. Oh yeah, oh, always sure. test. And one thing you can remember here, like like these guys mentioned, you only you only ever pay more than one penny more than the person bidding behind you. If I bid four dollars and you're bidding three fifty, quality score's the same. The most I'm going to pay is three fifty one. Google isn't going to charge me the four dollars because I bid it. They're only going to make me pay one penny more than the person behind me. Yeah, so let's talk about a little bit about campaign structure. I don't want to dig too, too deep into this, but talk to me a little bit about, say I'm new to pay-per-click and I log into the AdWords backend, the admin, what what am I going to see and how do I structure an account? So it really starts out, um, campaign is your is your highest level. Um, you, you know, your account is your account for your specific place, but then it breaks down into campaigns. You have various campaigns. You may have a brand campaign may have an amenities campaign. You could have a reviews campaign. And then within each of those, you can have different ad groups. So it's campaign, ad group, and keyword. It's kind of how that, that structures down. So your campaign will be the top level. Your ad groups can be more refined within a campaign. It's kind of like a subtopic. And then your various keywords will fit into your ad groups based on what those are. And you don't have to be specific with the, the keywords, right? You don't have to list out every single keyword that you want to show up on. No, Google is pretty savvy and they have different um, modifiers that you can use. So if you just want to, you know, running off of the Myrtle Beach Hotels example, if you just want to show up for only the exact term Myrtle Beach Hotels, then you can run an exact match is what they call it, match on just Myrtle Beach Hotels. However, if you want to expand your reach a little bit and bring in more keywords that are pretty closely related to Myrtle Beach Hotels, you can use what's called mod, um, modified broad, and so that will put uh, pull in keywords that are related to Myrtle Beach Hotels. So maybe Myrtle Beach Hotels Oceanfront, um, you know, Myrtle Beach Hotels on the South End, or different phrases that are around that. And then you can also do phrase match, which pulls in, um, it has the exact phrase, but there might be a word before or after that phrase. So there's a lot of different options as far as keywords, and you can get really granular with it, or you can, you know, kind of let it run in a little bit more broad and start, you know, narrowing some of those down. And they also have um, negative keywords. So if you see that your ads are pulling in, being pulled in by keywords that aren't necessarily generating revenue for you, then you can exclude those from ever serving ads again. So they give you a lot of options. And one, and one you know, good example for negative keywords, um, you may have, your hotel may share a name with another hotel in a different part of the world. 
Um, you know, we may have a hotel here with the same name as a hotel in California. Well, I might use a negative keyword of California. So if someone types in that ho name, hotel name in California, I wouldn't serve there. Um, other negative keywords could be a uh, type of, say, exploratory terms like reviews, hotel name, whatever, reviews. I might negative reviews on a transactional type of uh, campaign. And, and force those into yeah, a different ad group. Yeah, force someone to go to a different ad group or different yeah. campaign for something if they're looking exploratory rather than ready to buy. Yeah, and where all this really comes into impact is you mentioned the quality score. The more relevant the ad is going to be based on the search term and the place that you're sending it to, the better it's going to be from a budgetary perspective in your cost per click. Exactly. So um, let's talk, you touched a little bit on broad versus um, brand keywords. So a question we get a lot is should I bid on my, on my brand? So just speak a little bit about that. Like what's the difference between a brand campaign and, or a brand ad group and a um, broad and then why should you use both of those? Well, I think I think brand is really important to bid on because there's competition for your brand. Um, if you're a hotel, you're likely competing against the TripAdvisor, Hotels.com, and Expedia, who will bid on your brand name and serve ads to make people come to uh, you know a TripAdvisor, Hotels.com, or something like that, rather than your direct site where they can book right there. Um, if you give up that consumer, you're going to give it to an OTA who you're going to end up paying a percentage of the room rate to. Um, you're likely going to pay a whole lot less to get that click to your website and have them book through you than have them book through an OTA who's bidding on your terms. Yeah, I mean, look, look at it from this perspective. If you go to a search results page for the name of your hotel, you're going to have to scroll before you ever get to the natural results. You're going to see the paid results. There's going to be typically four spots now of paid results. You'll probably have a map. You'll have the HPA results that we'll talk about in a little bit. And if you're not playing in that brand game, you're basically deferring that click to OTAs, competitive hotels, and anybody else who wants to buy that term. So you get a great return on investment by buying brand. It's a little bit... I guess a uh, defensive procedure uh, process, but you need to do it. I think you make a good point there when you're talking about bidding on your brand against competitors because Google allows you to bid on your competitor's brand name. You can bid on that keyword, but you're not allowed to necessarily use that in your ad copy. And that kind of comes back to quality score, right? So if I can bid on, or if someone can bid on my brand, but they can't use my name in their ad copy, or they're likely not going to use it on their landing page. I'm going to have a better CPC. So a CPC on a brand term, and it's your cost per click, your cost per click on your brand is likely going to be way lower than anyone else is going to pay for your brand. So it's pretty cheap to do, and it's necessary to not give that click up to an OTA who you're going to be paying a percentage of when you don't need to. And we, we did a, a really in-depth um, series of tests. We have a case study on our website. If you go to the case studies portion of, of our website, I think it's under the results on the navigation. Um, there's actually a good case study specifically about this. Should I bid on brand or not? And it, and it has some compelling data that kind of puts this to rest once and for all. And we, we've done that test several times with several clients. And every time the conclusion is, do you make more money if you bid on brand? That's yeah. the bottom line. It's, it's tough for an individual hotelier to look at the cost of a brand campaign, which typically is a small fraction of their overall 
campaign, but thinking that I would have gotten those people anyway mm -hmm. because they searched for the name of my resort. The reality is you most likely will not have gotten them if you have four ads in front of you, you have several OTAs bidding with a specific price, you have to be there and you know, the return that you get makes it well worth it and it does pay for itself in space. Right. And the, the other thing that some people have done successfully, some people have not been so successful with this, but if you have a good relationship with your OTA partners, go to them and have a conversation. And, and with some OTAs, I know Booking.com in particular has been really good at this, tell them you are not in favor of them bidding on your brand. In, in some cases, they'll stop. Expedia tends not to. They just say, you know, we're going to do it. It's in the contract. Um, but Booking.com in particular and a couple of others have, at some points have seen where they've stopped bidding on a brand. So that, that can help you as well. Lowers the CPC and gets you more direct bookings. Yeah, you need to keep checking it though because, you know, any of those OTAs, they will stop. They're tricky. But they'll come back on later they're, too, so yeah. keep checking. They're tricky. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're looking to maximize their revenue just like all of us. But well, our focus here at Fuel is to drive direct bookings and, and certainly brand PPC is a good tactic to do that. Um, so let's talk a bit a little about, about broad and, um, you know, maybe broad, slightly more narrowed. So like semi-specific, not your brand name, but stuff that, that really, you touched on amenities earlier, vicinity kind of right. keywords. Those are the kind of battlegrounds that I, I have seen a lot of progress for a lot of properties. So broad, you're obviously going to expect a lower return on your investment, right? You have more people competing for those type of terms than, than your brand specifically. Uh, like Stuart said, you could bid on an amenity that you may have at your hotel or resort. Um, for example, we could bid on bowling alley, bowling alley, hotels with bowling <laughs> alleys or hotel with lazy river. Yeah. Um, those type of things people do search for. They have great search volume and, and, and for you to be number one in that list in a paid cert, like a paid ad, um, you know, that's that's going to drive a ton of bookings that you wouldn't have otherwise for people searching that type of term, a very broad type term. You could even take it further than that, like we started with uh, Myrtle Beach Hotels. That's very broad. That's somewhere in an exploratory phase. Um, again, you're going to be looking at a much lower return on a very, very broad term like that, but you're still going to get bookings from that mm -hmm. type of stuff. And it makes people aware of your brand as well. Yeah, you have to monitor those very carefully. Uh, imagine the cost of bidding on Orlando hotels. You, know, you may be a hotel in Orlando, but that is going to be an incredibly expensive term. You're going to have a lot of both OTA, but you're also going to have destination site uh, competition there. So you want to balance your, your brand being your bread and butter, your amenities campaigns, and your hyper-specific campaigns filling in, and then using that super broad reach as a means of finding that new business, but you have to watch that ROI yeah, or ROAS very carefully. Yeah, and it's super broad or more of a brand awareness, I feel, than you realizing you're actually going to get a ton of bookings from yeah. that. You should you should more just be like understanding that's the very top of the funnel, and those people need to see you as they continue their searches throughout. Yeah. Yeah. And it really season. depends on the situation, right? If you're a condominiumized property, uh, you have homeowners and you're splitting revenue with them, those broad terms where you're getting a two or three to one return, maybe doesn't make sense for you. But if you're a hotel and you're keeping 100% of that revenue, 
Perhaps that makes mm. sense. You know, and, and we have different clients across the spectrum that have a different tolerance. Some of them look at lifetime value if you're in a repeat destination. So tinker with it. Try try to determine up front what your tolerance is from an ROI perspective and, and then measure it. You know, I think that's the key. Um, the other thing to consider when you're looking at those broad terms is the consumer intent. And a lot of times a single property is not fulfilling the intent of the consumer at that time. When I'm searching for Orlando hotels or Model Beach hotels, I'm probably looking to narrow down my selection. I'm probably looking to compare properties. I'm not ready to book just yet. So sending them to a property specific site at that point oftentimes is not what the consumer is looking for. So if you're a group of properties in a destination, send them to your portal site, which promotes and compares all your properties, not to an individual property site for those broad ones. But there are other semi-broad terms, you know, like room types. We've seen that on the increase. A lot of people now are searching for, you know, three-bedroom condos or rooms with king bed or jacuzzi suites. So that, that's another battleground that you can go after, I think, with PPC and have a better return than those ultra broadband yeah but with the, especially with more and more and more cons- customers using voice search mm-hmm. you're seeing those long tail terms turn into i mean stupid long terms right. i'm looking oh, yeah. for right. a oceanfront hotel that has a mini fridge and two king beds you know so you had to kind of consider that too because there's a lot of people searching for specific things and it's for a fraction of what a broad term would cost Right. I was, one thing I want to touch on with Brad before we leave it here is um, a remarketing list for search ads. I think that you know you can bid on these broad terms if someone has been to your site before. If they've already seen you, you can remarket them. You can send them an ad for you specifically. They're more likely to come back. We can touch on that in a you know full-on PPC discussion later. But I think that you know retargeting is is a really good way to get get those broad terms at a cheaper price and someone who is more likely to book than them. Yeah, they're more relevant consumers right. at that point. They've seen you before. It's brand awareness. Yeah, I agree. So we talked about AdWords. You know, we, you've also got other platforms that operate in a very similar manner. you got Bing, obviously, and Yahoo in the game. And one of the things Yahoo's been doing recently is really pushing their Gemini platform. So let's talk about that a little bit. It's not on the search results. So you're not necessarily harvesting intent, like we've talked about with AdWords and the traditional Bing ads. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about what is Gemini and how does it differ from, from a traditional search result ad. Now those are more of the um, related articles you may see at the, at the bottom of a page where you think you're still on the same site. But realistically, those are just advertisements um, where you're, if you click on those, you're going to end up on a completely different site that's going to sell you something, you know, in this case, a hotel room. Um, you might see, you know, top 10 kid-friendly hotels as a related article to whatever you're reading. Well, that's not necessarily another article from the site you're reading from. It's an advertisement. And they're kind of they're kind of hidden within the content, it seems. It, it, it seems organic, but it's really It's very contextual. It's a little bit tricky. They're not always fully disclosed or it's not obvious that they're ads. So uh, people are getting really... Uh, link baity with, with that they're, they're really trying to or click baity they're trying to make those headlines as catchy as they can very you know top 10 lists mm-hmm. and stuff like that and I, I think some hotels are doing well i think the groups that i've seen doing it where you can send to a portal site and you can do a top 10 hotels in this destination or with this amenity those are the ones that tend to be doing a better job 
it, it's something that, you know, maybe it's worth testing if you've got some excess budget in there, if you're an individual property, but certainly not where I'd put my money um, before some of these other things we're going to talk about. Certainly. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily make sense for an individual property, but like you mentioned, a portal, those type of things can go real far. Um, bringing someone into your content and allowing them to search through the different properties you may have on a portal. Yeah. It, it's about being interesting. You know, that, I think that's the key to success there. So let's touch, we talked about the, the contextual, you know, in, in content ads, which kind of leads to display marketing. A lot of folks dabble in either through AdWords or through a platform, whether it's like a Quantcast or someone like that. Let's talk about display advertising. How do we feel about it? Has it worked for the people that you've seen test it? And what are the options out there? I'll speak from a user perspective, which was not one of your options, so I'm going <laughs> off the script here. But... Um, I go to Charleston a lot because it's the only place I ever reference. So I have no life and only a few friends in Charleston, <laughs> but I was looking for a hotel to stay for a wedding, another wedding because all my friends are getting married and we were looking at extended stay. I think I might've referenced them before, but and they're not the only time this has happened, but it's like every time I book with a hotel, I get, I keep getting remarketed to after I book mm -hmm. and it just doesn't make any sense. And as a marketer, it makes it's me want to flip tables because it's not working. Like just, I feel like that my experience with display specific to hotels on any trip I've been on, it just makes zero sense whatsoever. That's really poor display remarketing right there. I mean, you can, you can set rules that say, and hey, visitor ended up booking don't serve yeah. to them. It's called it's, an exclusion it's, it's list. Exclusion list. It's not hard to set to up. Do. Extended stay. If you do happen to need help with that, let me know. Because I'd be <laughs> happy to set yeah. this up for you. But you know, it's like what we, where we started. Basically, PPC is you're paying, you're bidding to show in a specific spot. That is the most basic level. It gets more and more and more complicated mm -hmm. as you get more advanced. And you really want to make sure, you know, whether you're working with Fuel or whomever your agency is, Make sure that you are having them test. Make sure you're paying attention that if it is a remarketing campaign, there's an exclusion list for people who have already booked. There's a lot of nuances to the campaign, and really paying attention to all of it is the only way you'll truly see a fantastic ROAS. And for display, you have essentially two options. With You have regular display, or what we just call display, and then you have display retargeting or remarketing. So regular display, you have a lot of options within that. You can do demographic targeting. You can pick um, different locations. You can pick different interests. You can pick different topics. You can pick different websites you want to serve on. So there's a lot of things that you can pick and choose and kind of experiment with. And then, you know, with remarketing and retargeting, you also have options with that as well. You want to serve it to people who have come to your website. They're cookied when they come to your site. And then the idea is they've been to your site. They did not complete a booking, so you set up an exclusion list as well. And you can get you know as broad as you want. So just anybody who came to any page of your website, you reserve them an ad. Or you can get more specific. So if somebody you know went to a certain page on your booking form or if people went to an amenities page and looked at something specific you can serve them hyper specific ads to those right like uh, what Misha's getting at here is you know if, if someone got almost all the way to a booking on their on their room you can send them an ad saying don't you want to finish your checkout type of thing you've all seen those type of deals you still have something in your shopping cart essentially type of ads and then you know there's the interest-based where you know people like you are typically on these sites they'll you know they'll be your ads will show on a site that you and people like you serve on or 
specifically. All right, so you, you know we fuel ourselves. We pick specific sites that we know hotel marketers tend to visit, and that's where we place our display ads. So you can get real granular with that, but but like Misha said, how it's very important for your exclusion list. Once someone has completed your action, don't waste money serving them ads time after time. Yeah, I, I really, really hate the way hotel marketers use display. I think they're just, like me said, doing a really, really bad job not excluding folks. And, and it's, it's different, right? Display marketing works really well for people like um, retail. If I'm selling t-shirts and I'm selling multiple t-shirts to the same person again and again, that makes sense. I'm going to retarget the heck out of those people. But for, for a hotel, depending on the incubation period, the research period, you really have a limited window. So you've got to hit them frequently in a very short time and make sure you don't serve them after they stay. It's such a waste of money. People are doing it wrong. And the, and the problem is a lot of these display networks are really, I'd say, end-running the numbers because what they're doing is they're, they're taking assists as actual conversions. They're saying, oh, someone saw this ad and therefore we're going to take credit for it. The now, yeah, the view through. So no one actually took an action. There's no proof anyone actually paid attention to the ad. They, it just happened to load on a page that they were on. And I don't know about you guys, but I really don't pay attention to a lot of ads very, very occasionally. So to, for them to take credit, um, some are doing better jobs than others. Some are applying uh, models that take into account time. So if they saw an ad today and book today, that has more weight than if I saw an ad today and book in a week, right? So there's a point of diminishing return over time at, at, after I saw the ad. I like that. I also like there's a company out there called Sojourn that's really beginning to make some hay in the in the hotel space. Their model is different than everyone else's. Everyone else's is, is CPM and theirs is percentage of bookings. Now, again, I, I would really give a hard look at how their model works in terms of what they're taking credit for. But the fact that it's performance-based, they're the only ones that I've come across that have a performance-based component. And they're also doing something that I'm kind of interested in and we've experimented with some, which is look-alike targeting. So they profile your existing consumer, they look at psychographics and demographics and, and behaviors, and they'll find people that look similar and they'll try to find those people and target those people, which is new business, which I'm willing to spend a little more to get a new customer than retarget someone that's already come to my site. So Sojourn's one to look for if you're interested in display marketing. I think that's someone I would I would consider um, if I were a hotel. Um, but other than that, I, I, it, it would be bottom of my list of everything we're talking about today. I just wouldn't touch display. Yeah, limited budget, I'd, I'd avoid display and stick with the yeah. targeted specific areas yeah all right so let's jump a little bit we're running a, bit, a little bit long but I, I think this is worth talking about so maybe we'll be a little longer episode today so let's talk about one we get a lot of questions about because it's fairly new people really don't have a full grasp about how it works um, and that's Google hotel price ads or HPA um, so we've, we've been doing this for over a year we're actually um, on the Google website, if you look at vendors that are authorized to um, give you access to H HPA, Fuel Logo is right there on the Google site. Um, so I'd say we're as knowledgeable as anyone else in the industry, um, but it is Google. They do change things every day. Um, we're always learning um, as everyone else is that's doing this. But let's let's talk a little bit about HPA. How is it working? How does it work in general? 
Okay, I'll kind of jump into this. So HPA is basically Google's foray into the world of OTAs. Um, they already did this with the airline industry. You can book a flight through Google, and this is basically them just trying it on the hotel side. Um, there's only a few ways to really optimize these campaigns for your hotel. Um, they allow you to set certain multipliers that will allow you to change your bids and, and whatnot. But HPA, I mean, you'll see these, you'll see, sorry to jump around on you, but HPA, if you search something broad, say New York hotels, you'll see the paid ads on top, and then below that, you're going to get a, a map and a three-pack of different hotels. That's the first section of HPA you'll see. Once you click on those, you're going to be given a whole list of other hotels in the area. Like I said, New York hotels, you're going to see all the hotels in New York that are participating in this program. So then, you know, these, these hotels that are participating in the program, like I said, they have multipliers that kind of let them optimize. So they can optimize on device type, whether you're mobile or desktop. Um, if they see more bookings come through desktop, maybe they decrease their bids on people coming through mobile. A country, same thing. If you see only all of your, all of your uh, bookings come from the U.S., well, you decrease bids on anything that's not U.S. Um, see what else you know the the Google Channel uh, local Universal map results hotel finder place pages all the times you might see HPA you kind of set your multipliers based on you know where you see the most bookings come from check-in day a week is another one um, if you see most of your bookings come on Fridays you increase bids on people coming on Fridays no one no one comes Monday and Tuesday and when you decrease for Monday and Tuesday Advanced booking window, same thing, because HPA bidding is way different than your typical CPC. HPA is based on number of nights searched. So if I'm bidding $2 and they're searching for a seven-night stay, that click is costing me $14, not two. So it's a, it's a, it's much different than regular CPC. So Yeah, it's, it's very much more complicated. It's really complicated compared to regular pay-per-click, which is why I think a lot of people are struggling with it. The other thing is Google has not done a good job, and I'm calling you out, Google. I'm sure they're all listening. Everyone at Google is listening <laughs> to this. But the insights that you get are really limited. They're not giving enough data related to where the ads are serving and which which pages, which keyword, which, you know, whether it's broad or brand, where, it, where are the ads showing that are generating revenue? Mm -hmm. And they don't give you flexibility about really where to show on those things, you know? Right, so, so yeah, look, what you're saying, the query is really what we're missing when we're talking about where these things are showing. Right. Um, is it on your direct brand search? Is it on a search for your city plus hotels? You know, where, where are these things showing up? I feel like is the biggest biggest miss there. Um, just showing us the queries could be very helpful. Yeah, and even, even is, it, is it on a search query? Is it actually on at the Google search results page or is it on the maps or is it now you know they're getting into mobile apps with google trips so where are the ads showing that are generating revenue and can i control where i show yeah we can see where the people come from through the the dump of data they provide but it's not an easy to read it's not pretty it's not it's pretty not at all pretty. it's a it's a dirty csv that you really have to get involved with to, yeah. to really dig the data you need out of it and it's it's quite a pain you know i'd, I'd like to see a much more visual easy to see chart yeah. there but yeah we'll save that for a full hpa discussion yeah. before no, I like go it's going to be an hpa rant so it's not going to be a discussion yeah. Yeah. that's just going to be it's us be complaining yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
And, and honestly, you know, the, the return on HPA has not been the, the greatest for a lot of a lot of folks. We, we have a few clients that it's really good on, but the majority, it's mediocre at best. Again, if you're a hotel, you don't have condo owners that take 50% or more of your revenue, probably good to dabble in HPA. I would recommend not doing it yourself. I would recommend finding a, an agency or a, or a tool that is, is very good at managing HPA. Um, but it, it you know, it, it's something to experiment with, but again, monitor that ROI. I will say that just to finish up with HPA, that it's not just about HPA. It is changing the landscape of the search engine results page. Absolutely. So this was, you know, a pretty big disruptor when they really started pushing this product. And, um, you know, it, it impacts more than just, okay, we're either not going to do HPA or we're going to do HPA. This is impacting your organic search results because it's pushing those down. This could be impacting, um, you know, how your your PPC ads are performing. And we've also seen this. It started with super broad terms, so hotels in New York, New York hotels. But we've seen that get more and more granular. So using Myrtle Beach as an example, you know, we saw it Myrtle Beach hotels, but now we're seeing it for Myrtle Beach hotels with a water park. Or even if you're a brand and you have more than one location in that area, you're going to see that HPA box and it'll show, you know, every holiday in your area. So it's really changing you know, the, the entire search engine landscape and how everything's functioning together. Yeah. I think the biggest point you made there was, was it breaking up uh, PPC and organic results? That giant chunk of the middle of the results mm -hmm. page is now HPA. It includes the map and those three local listings like mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier. You know, that, that takes up a huge percentage of that results mm -hmm. page. And, and again, organic becomes, you know, click less yeah. and less because no one wants to scroll past... There four PPC ads now. Oh, yeah. Their map and three listings, and then you see your first organic result. So, no doubt. I mean, you it's, have it's to. It's important to play that game. You have to be playing in the PPC game, otherwise, you are multiple scrolls yeah. away from, yeah. from that. Well, what other. All right, so we were going to talk about Trip, Trip Connect. We'll save that. We're going to do next episode is going to be all dedicated to TripAdvisor. So we'll jump into Trip, Trip Connect, which is a paid ad platform, and Instant Book, and all that stuff next episode. Um, that's a good teaser to make people listen, hopefully. But um, let's touch real quick on social. Um, social um, is, is something where you can now do some really effective advertising. So you know, whether that's on Facebook or Instagram or um, LinkedIn or wherever you have social channels, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's, because we're running short on time, let's focus on Facebook today. Mm -hmm. Talk about how you can target people and how effective it is and the different kind of ads you can run. Yeah, so we'll give you the too long, didn't listen version of Facebook advertising. Hopefully you are listening now. So they have a lot of ad types now. They started with just a few, and it's really expanded. So you have a lot of different formats to help you reach your individual goals. Some of the ones that we found success on for different levels for hotels, um, just increasing your audience page-like ads are a really great way to do that. Um, and you can get specific with targeting to only target the types of people that would stay at your hotel and we'll dig into that in just a minute. We also have promoted posts which we have started spending more money on. As we know organic reach is pretty much dead. Um, you have to pay to be seen and so that's a really good way to get you know important content seen and in front of your audience. 
There's also video views. So if you're in a very scenic destination like we are in Myrtle Beach, we've seen some success with running, um, whether it's uh, a room tour so you can showcase your oceanfront room or it's, you know, kids club activities on your pool deck. We've seen some really good exposure from that. Lead ads is another one that we've been um, experimenting with recently, um, and I'll kind of just go through the thought process with that. So this is a way to generate leads, and we've kind of hijacked this for the hotel industry. It was originally advertised or on Facebook. They give you an example of a car salesman or, you know, somebody who can't do a, an immediate transaction. And the way we've been using this is to convert our Facebook fan base into um, somebody that's actually... A little bit more engaged so what we've been doing is running lead ads just to our Facebook fan pages and then we've uploaded an exclusion list of existing email addresses so we're not hitting people who are already on our email list that way we are only targeting people who are already familiar with and engaged with our brand serving them ads about joining our email newsletter list um, to go ahead and try to get them a little bit farther down the funnel so that's something that we've seen success with for those as far as um, who you're reaching, you're targeting, the options are pretty much limitless. Facebook is very knowledgeable about you. You know, when they first set up the platform, they were asking you questions about, you know, what are your interests and how old are you and what's your birthday? And, you know, we just thought they were really interested in us and we thought it was cool. <laughs> and little did, you know, we know they were just mining all of this data. And so they, you can get... I mean, just incredibly specific, whether it's um, demographic-based, whether it's interest-based, whether it's job title-based, um, you know, are you married or are you a parent? I mean, there's really, I mean, just super, super, super granular. So, you know, we like to experiment with different things. We like to, um, you know, look at some data that we have on our existing consumer base and, um, you know, just try to profile our audience and build out personas the best that we can to, you know, not just use the, the spray and pray effect when we're sending our ads, but really trying to reach them to the most qualified people as possible. And then you can also do retargeting. So you can target people who've been to your website before and get them to, you know, a slight nudge, hey, like our page to keep up with deals and specials. Um, or you can even do email List. So upload a list of people who are on your email and, you know, send them a special or if they stayed, you know, last summer, go ahead and start sending them ads, you know, a few months ahead of this summer to say, hey, here's a special. Um, there's, I mean, there's just so many options when it comes to Facebook. Yeah, and another thing I've seen that's pretty successful is you can target competitors as well. So if there's a property in your market, you can target people that like that fan page. And if you know that you have a stronger property, i.e. you've got better amenities than them, you could, for example, you're targeting an oceanfront resort and you just opened a, a new water park. You could target everyone on your competitors' pages that has kids. And you can send them ads saying, hey, if you're coming back to this destination, we have this kick-ass water park. Come stay with us. So that you can get really creative. I think we could mm -hmm. talk for hours on, on Facebook. Oh, yeah. But um, experiment with it. You know, um, There's a lot of resources on our blog if you want to read those. Um, and just have fun with it. I'd, I'd say yeah. Facebook advertising for me has probably the most promise out of everything we talked about today. PPC is something you got to do, no question, be on the search results. Mm -hmm. I think Facebook is trying to become the internet mm -hmm. and, and the advertising platform. The amount of targeting you can do there is better than anything else, even better than Google. Oh, so, yeah. um, And I, it's I, very visual too. I mean, I think that's why... A lot of people, I mean, the ads are becoming so successful is that, you know, 
everything has, you know, an awesome picture or an awesome video that auto plays mm -hmm. and they're really engaging and it's, it's really, it's a great tool to capture people at pretty much every phase mm -hmm. of that search funnel, whether you're just generating that awareness or they already know you're a customer and they're trying to get you to come back next year. Yeah. yeah so Facebook is pushing you to use Facebook as the portal to the internet, mm -hmm. the way they're changing, the way their search system works, the way they're promoting ads and everything else. So, Instant pages. Yes. Yeah, so pay attention to Facebook. Yeah, it's definitely important. The one, the one word of caution I would give though with Facebook advertising is it's, it, you're, you're competing against their family, their friends, their coworkers, the, the stuff they cats. really like and, and a lot of cats. What they intended to see. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, You've got to be compelling. You've got to be interesting with those ads. You can't just throw up something mediocre and expect it to work. Mm -hmm. You've got to get creative on Facebook. All righty. So we've covered a lot of things. Um, summaries. Where should people be spending their money? Bid on brand. Yeah, bid on your brand PPC. And if it works for you, you can step into a more broad type area. But I think what we really need to focus on is your return. Don't lose money on paid advertising. Mm -hmm. That's really what it comes down to is be really sure of what this really does for you. Does it make you money or does it not? I think that kind of leads us into our question. Yeah, yeah Misha, out. we have a question we can tackle real quick. Yeah, so we had a question from Twitter from Steve H. He asks, there are three local portal sites in my city. Should I invest in any of them or all of them? Two are flat rate and one is CPC. Yeah, so portal rate, portal sites in a destination, say say Model Beach, you have modelbeach.com, which is privately owned. You have the Chamber website, visit modelbeach.com. You also have some other independently owned sites. So which of those should should you be on? I mean, one, I'd look at which ones are ranking where I'm getting the most traffic and, and probably narrow it down. And then, and then the key really is to measure, right? Ask them if you can get a trial. If they're not, then just try to get in a short-term contract and say, I'm going to track every person that comes from this website all the way through to conversion. And at the end of the period of advertising, I'm going to say, what is my return on investment? And if that is acceptable to me, then I'm going to continue to do it. And with all advertising, that's the key, right? It's a math game. Make sure you're tracking every single campaign you're running to the point of conversion and looking at not just that one conversion, but looking at lifetime value and all the other stuff offline conversions like phone calls because portal sites can still generate a lot of phone call um, bookings as well. But to me, it's portal sites are really, really good tool. If it's a good user-friendly portal site that provides a lot of information like reviews, like rates, like photos, like amenities, if you're getting qualified consumers to your site from someone else at a cost-effective rate, absolutely do it yeah. all, all day, every day. And one thing to keep in mind also is kind of going to call back to the beginning of the podcast the portals are the ones who really benefit by going after those broad reach terms like Orlando hotels, Myrtle Beach hotels. So if that's who's buying those terms, mm -hmm. instead of necessarily buying the term on Google or Bing or wherever, have a good prominent position on that portal page. Mm -hmm. uh, and like you said, make sure your analytics team is aware of what's going on and gets the right code on those links so you can monitor it down to the very granular level. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, my takeaways from PPC in general are test, analyze, and just follow your return on ad spend. Yeah, if, if you do that, then it, you can make easy decisions. 
for sure if you follow where the return on investment is. Well, um, that is another episode of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Hopefully you liked it. Please leave a review on whichever podcast software or app you use. Um, that would really help us. Submit your questions to us on Twitter at Fuel Travel. And real quick, guys, where can they find you on, on the web? Pete? They can find me at P DeMeo. It's at P, my initial, D-I-M-A-I-O. And Phil, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter at P. F-O-R-I-S-K-A. And then Misha, where can I find you? I was the nice one, and I did not use my last name in my Twitter handle. So you can find me at Marketing Misha. My first name is way easier to spell, so that's at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. Mia's Ha. <laughs> Mia's Ha. Mia's Ha. Ah, that's funny. Um, and you can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. And until next time, may the force be with you. Uh-huh.